This episode is brought to you by The Profit Line. Now, hopefully you guys recognize that I'm quite selective about the sponsors that I choose to partner with, but The Profit Line might just be in a league of its own, given that I was a customer of theirs for seven consecutive years while running my own company. The Profit Line is a boutique finance and accounting firm that provides a wide range of accounting services to small and medium-sized businesses, generating anywhere between 5 to $50 million in revenue or so. On a fractional outsource basis, they will do all of your bookkeeping, bank reconciliations, month-end accruals, tax compliance, financial statement preparation, and they'll work hand-in-hand with your auditors, among countless other things. When I purchased my business, I noticed that the books were a total mess. The company's accounting wasn't compliant with GAAP, they were overly complex, and they just didn't work for the company's new reality, which suddenly included auditors, a bank, investors, and a board. Because of this, I brought in the profit line within my first month or so as a CEO. And fast forward to seven years later, they were still there to help us get our books ready for an exit. We used them when we had no finance and accounting department to speak of and continued to work with them even as we grew our finance team to four people, including a CFO. For those of you currently running a business, visit theprofitline.com to learn more about how they may be able to help you. For those of you currently evaluating a target to acquire, the Profit Line also offers a high-level, affordable overview of a target company's current accounting systems, processes, and environment. This analysis can be used in conjunction with your QOV project, or it can be done in advance of it to ensure that there are no large red flags before you start spending the big bucks. Again, that's theprofitline.com. Though there are countless books, blogs, podcasts, and social media accounts that serve as thoughtful and informative resources for current and prospective entrepreneurs, unfortunately, there appears to be an equal number of resources that demonstrate seemingly no limit to the fundamentally bad advice that they're willing to impart upon others. Early last year, I encountered a post on social media suggesting that watching the Super Bowl was a waste of time and that any entrepreneur worth their salt ought to instead be spending that time building their business. More recently, I encountered another post suggesting that spending time with family and friends on weekends ought to be reserved only for those entrepreneurs who had maximized the revenue and profit-generating capabilities of their companies. If not, keep grinding, the post suggested. Though social media should serve as nobody's singular source of truth, this line of thinking has unfortunately become so prevalent online that I felt it necessary to provide the entrepreneurial community with my own perspective on the matter. Hours worked is not a proxy for commitment or ambition. Too often, entrepreneurs and CEOs mistakenly conflate taking a break or slowing down with being lazy or lacking commitment. In my opinion, this is an intellectually lazy line of thinking that is flat-out incorrect at best and possibly even dangerous at worst. In my experience, I've observed that anybody can fill time with work and anybody can make themselves perpetually busy. Perpetual busyness is nothing to be proud of, and it often signifies more problems than it does merits. I don't mean to suggest that hard work, dedication, and sacrifice aren't fundamental components to the entrepreneurial success formula. They very clearly are. And indeed, otherworldly levels of each tend to be required for any enduring level of success to be achieved as an entrepreneur and CEO. But untethered levels of ambition, sacrifice, and hours worked 
can often be as much of a hindrance to success as a facilitator of it. As a young CEO and entrepreneur myself, I recall often feeling guilty resting while others were ever so publicly working. With experience and hindsight, however, I've come to appreciate that my concerns were misguided, as resting is exactly what I should have been doing at the time. If your situation and circumstances dictate that working through weekends, holidays, and yes, even Super Bowls, is the best thing for you to do, then by all means, dive into your work without hesitation. However, if you catch yourself working for its own sake, working because you think you ought to be doing so, or worst of all, working because you see others doing so, then stop and question whether or not you'd be better off resting without hesitation. Here are a few observations that I still need to remind myself of from time to time. One, the sum of the hours that one spends working is not a proxy for their levels of commitment or ambition. Two, never compare yourself to others. You'll always end up feeling inferior in some way as a result. Do what you believe is best for you. Comparison is the thief of joy. Three, lack of a life outside of work is not something to be proud of. It strikes me as odd that this even needs to be stated publicly. Four, when you're working, work fully. When you're resting, rest fully. Time spent in the middle is the worst place of all, as you reap none of the benefits of work nor of rest. Evaluating the returns to brute force. In certain circumstances, jobs, or stages of one's career, there likely are high returns to what I will refer to as brute force, which we'll define as a singular focus characterized by unsustainably high levels of imbalance, hours worked, or sacrifices made. In these types of circumstances, there can indeed be a positive and linear correlation between inputs, like hours, and desired outputs, like salary, career progression, achievement of product market fit, and the like. First-year investment banking analysts and the entrepreneur with only one month of cash left on her balance sheet can likely relate. However, there are an equal number of circumstances, jobs, and stages of one's career where there are not only diminishing marginal returns to brute force, but in many instances the correlation might actually be negative. In situations like these, the relationship between inputs and outputs, if there is one, is often not of the linear variety. A few good decisions per year by a private equity investor might be able to return an entire fund. One or two major strategic decisions by a CEO might fundamentally change the trajectory of her business. In these types of circumstances, desired outputs are far more correlated with clarity of thought than they are with hours worked. Now, of course, this is all a bit of an oversimplification. Admittedly, the investor that I just mentioned was likely only able to make those few good decisions after years of evaluating thousands of companies to develop the context and pattern recognition required to make such decisions. But once those skills have been developed, her value as an investor is likely no longer linearly correlated to her inputs as it once was earlier in her career. As CEO coach Marshall Goldsmith states, what got you here won't get you there. In my own career as an entrepreneur and CEO, at different points I've found myself playing both of the games mentioned above. My early years as a CEO were largely spent playing the brute force game, whereas my later years were spent playing the clarity of thought game. How well I actually played this latter game is another question entirely. While this is all reasonably normal and largely to be expected, what I want to impose upon you is that problems will surface when, one, one doesn't recognize which of the two games they're currently playing, or two, 
one takes advice from or compares themselves to somebody who is playing a fundamentally different game from them. Our propensity to overwork. So why is it that so many of us lean towards overwork even when the next marginal hour is unhelpful or even counterproductive? Below I present three hypotheses that attempt to explain this, at least in part. One, the role of inexperience and potentially insecurity. Now, I can't speak for others, but when I was a young and inexperienced CEO, I felt as if there were only so many levers that I could pull to grow and improve my company. Given my age and resulting lack of experience at the time, I naturally couldn't pull any levers related to context, experience, pattern recognition, or lessons learned from mistakes previously made. As a result, about the only lever I felt that I could pull was that of brute force. In other words, I was compensating for all of the things that I knew that I couldn't bring to the table at the time. And for a while, this worked for me, as I suspect it does for many others operating under similar circumstances. However, at a certain point in my career, I unknowingly moved from playing the former game to the latter game, yet continued to pull largely on that same brute force lever. I suspect that one of the reasons why I continued to do this was because of an underlying, perhaps subconscious, sense of insecurity related to whether or not I had indeed arrived at a point in my career where I'd be able to add value to my company through pulling other levers. Because so many of us have progressed in our academic and professional lives entirely through hours worked, tests studied for, projects successfully completed, and other similar blunt force instruments, it is often hard for us to trust that we have finally arrived at a point where we can succeed by using other tools in our toolkits. I'm not suggesting that every person who publicly brags about working 80-hour weeks is insecure, but it's likely that at a deep, fundamental level, at least some of them are. It's worth remembering this the next time that you compare yourself to others, especially if that comparison has you questioning the very real benefits of rest, rejuvenation, and recovery. Thesis number two, the role of guilt. I suspect another reason why some work when they'd be better off resting stems from the concept of guilt. Put simply, many of us feel guilty when we're not working. The guilt that often stems from not working is one side of a paradox that I've observed both in myself and in many other entrepreneurs. On one hand, when entrepreneurs and CEOs prioritize the roles in their lives that are not related to work, for example, their roles as a spouse or parent or community member, they often report feeling a sense of guilt stemming from the difference between the hours that they are working and the hours that they feel they ought to be working. Paradoxically, when these same people prioritize their work at the expense of the other roles in their lives, they often report feeling a similar sense of guilt, though this time that guilt stems from wanting to do better as a spouse, parent, or community member, but feeling as if they are simply unable to do so. Perhaps the noted philosopher Bart Simpson was onto something when he suggested, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. Thesis three, stillness can be very uncomfortable. As somebody who still deals with anxiety, I've observed that I'm least anxious when I'm working and I'm most anxious when I'm resting or at least attempting to rest. And I know many others who feel similarly. I believe this is so because when we're working, we feel like we're actually doing something to combat whatever it is that's making us anxious. And consciously or otherwise, this sense of control and agency can feel temporarily comforting. When we're resting, however, in a very literal sense, we're not doing anything to actively deal with whatever is making us anxious at the time, and that temporary lack of control and lack of agency can feel very uncomfortable indeed. 
in sum. In writing this, my intent is not at all to suggest that entrepreneurs and CEOs would be better off by tempering their levels of drive, ambition, or tenacity. As mentioned above, otherworldly levels of hard work, dedication, and sacrifice are almost always required for any enduring level of success to be achieved as an entrepreneur or CEO. Instead, I chose to write this to subject the unfortunate trend of hustle culture up to the thoughtful light of scrutiny. Though in many cases, brute force inputs are positively and linearly correlated with desired outputs, in an equal number of cases, they simply are not. Though this blog may ultimately come to be interpreted as the wishful musings of an aspiring couch potato, it is my belief that, in some instances, our otherwise admirable desire to work hard for the rewards that we seek has gone too far, and in many instances, perpetual busyness impedes success more than it enables it. This episode is brought to you by Warren Coughlin, CEO coach and founder of Jumpstart Coaching. Now, I wanted to partner with Warren because one of my biggest regrets across my seven years as a CEO was not hiring a coach. And to the best extent possible, I want to prevent others from making that same mistake. Warren focuses exclusively on coaching CEOs running small and medium-sized businesses and has been doing so for over 20 years. And what I particularly love about Warren is the structured approach that he takes to working with CEOs, particularly within those first 90 days of the engagement, to ensure that the foundation being built upon is a solid one. Within those first three months, he will help you establish a scorecard containing all of your key numbers in a single place. He'll help you build out a high-performing leadership team, and he'll share with you a proprietary tool to organize your execution plan, which will clearly outline who should do what by when. Best of all, working with Warren is effectively risk-free. If at the end of those first three months you are not happy with the direction of the business, he will give you your money back. If that doesn't say confidence, I don't know what does. On top of all of that, Warren is also offering $3,000 off of his coaching program for listeners of In the Trenches. Just go to warrencoglin.com forward slash trenches to learn more. Coglin is spelt C-O-U-G-H. L-I-N.